We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good with it, Lefty Lefty Podcast? The Anora Boys are definitely in the building, brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you drink, always drink responsibly. I thought she was going to finish that. <laughs> I thought you said, Yo. okay. Yeah. CFE Nation, presented by. Twisted tea. Twisted tea. Man. I'm actually going to try it next time. I'm actually going to try the twisted tea. Um, Marcus Freeman, doubling down. and making some very interesting comments during his press conference today. Notre Dame's at a turning point left. Really? You come off of a highly emotional loss and a highly emotional win. Okay, now what Notre Dame team shows up? Yeah, yeah. Like, we've gotten both ends of the spectrum. The reality of who this team is has to be somewhere in the middle. What shows up for the remainder of the schedule? That is the LL question of the day. Some leftovers. We have a few fans that are still for some reason impressed with Duke. Yeah, you're impressed with two two drives in a whole game? I mean, I don't know what you're impressed by, but if anything, you should be impressed at the fact that on our worst day, ACC team still can't beat us. That's what you should be impressed by. Be impressed at the fact that we played a C, maybe a D game, and we still go 30 and 0 versus ACC teams. That's impressive. Is it what we want? 
Probably not. But there was nothing impressive that I saw from Duke where I'm like, man, they showed what exactly what we have been worried about all season. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It is the ACC has taken a step back as a conference. As a it whole. is not as a whole. It is not at the level where it was maybe three years ago. Um, of course, we see it with the SEC. When Georgia and Alabama take a step back, that means the conference as a whole takes a step back. Yeah. When, when Clemson takes a step back, the conference takes a step back. And Clemson, indeed, has had, has taken a step back. So we'll see. We'll see. But Marcus Freeman doubled down left on estimate going down at the one-yard line today in his press conference. And I'm like, bro, I, I wanted to just, like, put a detour sign up and say, Take this other road. Like, <laughs> like, stop going down this road. <laughs> I 
he don't know how to just end it on a end it on a good note, man. He just want to keep pressing the issue, trying to make a good a wrong point right. It's if you're wrong, man. Just and it wasn't a good take. Don't try to circle back and, and shape it up and make it try to sound like a good take. It was a bad take, Marcus Freeman. It was a bad take, and that's okay. I mean, today he actually said, you know, instead of scoring a touchdown, you know, you could go down at the one and the snap, the hole, and the kick. Everything could be perfect. So you just want to win. You can win either way. I'm like, stop. Yeah. Stop. What are we talking about, man? What? Yeah. Now you're making me scared. <laughs> now I'm starting to feel like you're really trying to bring Trestle Ball to Notre Dame. He is. Like you're, he you're is. winning by one point. Like, no, dude. That no. That's okay for the NFL. You know, we mm. know them games come down to margins and and, and all of that, but I thought last game. I thought what Pat Mahomes did last night was everybody was like, oh my God, that's so unselfish. Like, man, if, goes up, if they go up 10 with a minute left, there's the nothing Jets they aren't winning that game. Like, right. this analytics is <laughs> messing up sports. It is. It's playing too safe for no reason. You go up two scores, you still win. So the whole taking a knee thing or sliding just so you can take a bunch of knees, I mean, it's it's it's... What do you want to say about it? I mean, it's probably the safest way you can win. I get all that. But there's also a safe way to win by being up 10 points. You're going against a team that isn't good, and I and I get it. You know, you want to get out of there injury-free and all that. But it's, it's sports, man. You're supposed to score, and if the defense allows you to score, take it because it's hard to score points in general. So for Marcus Freeman to say, yeah, we wanted to win by a couple points, that's bad, especially for the college football landscape because you need all the points you can get, especially when it gets close to them compiling the numbers for to see who gets in the playoffs. They're going to be like, wow, you only beat Duke by two points? Well, we're going to dock you for that. We should be trying to beat Duke by 25 points, and that's Man. what's going to make the difference. And I think Marcus Freeman not realizing that it's bigger than just winning games. You have to win games by margins. and. You know, you're not going to be saved by just skidding by beating teams that we should be blowing out. It's amazing because. Because by the fact yeah. we learned about that, they fired Lovey Smith and Jim Caldwell with winning seasons. Man. So if you ain't learned anything from them, <laughs> you need to learn that you got to win and then you got to win on top of winning. You got to win it in. Yo, ask, ask Matt Eberflus and the Bears about analytics. <laughs> Look, there are people on both sides of the coin. There are people that believe, man, and shout out to Riley Leonard. He, uh, I guess it came out that he's going to miss two, two weeks, but they have a bye this week, so I don't know how many games he's going to miss, but their offense is going to struggle without him. Yes. Because pretty, pretty much he is the offense. 
They're gonna look real bad. They're gonna look. Yeah. They're gonna look like an ACC team that we've been clamoring. Because the thing is, if how does Duke have such a drop off for a team that's supposed to be competitive with us? It's supposed to be so 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 worried. We're supposed to be so worried about them, but they mm -hmm. miss one player and they whole season's over. How is that possible? That's why I'm like the fan base got to be. We got to pick a side. Either we're you know on the what? same level as Duke, think, or we're not. <laughs> we're not. Left. I used to think. I still think if Sam Hartman gets hurt, it wouldn't be good. But heck, as vanilla as this offense has been, why can't Steve Vangeli run this offense? Because there's really nothing special to it. It's nothing special. So you know, can can Steve Angeli score what? 20 points, 21 points in a game running the same stuff? Probably, because the point margins at this point, if Steve can't score 14, if Steve can't get, in the, get, in the, get a chance to score 21 points, then he shouldn't be there. But it's about the offense not being where it should be in general, which is the problem. So yeah. Sam isn't, but Sam isn't making it uh, a de facto difference like we felt like he should, and we kind of learned a little bit about how good Sam can be in the Ohio State game and in the Duke game. They definitely were good evaluations for seeing is he the guy that can get you over the hump. I think he's just the guy that can help you stay afloat and give you a chance to win, but we need other pieces to get us in combination with Sam over the hump. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Time to put I'm putting a nice little bow on the 21 to 14 Duke victory before we go to Louisville. And left, I woke up early this morning and I watched Louisville at North Carolina State. Louisville can't score, dude. They can't. I watched that game and I'm looking like, well, I knew Brennan Armstrong was terrible. Jack Plummer, we Jack Plummer is, is just as bad. And he's not mobile. Not mobile. You can get he'll after give you, him. He'll give you a couple good passes and then he'll end up getting sacked or throw a pick. He's just a standard ACC quarterback. And both offensive lines are bad. Both defensive lines have pass rushers and have some really good players, but we're going to be overwhelmingly better than this team. I don't think Louisville's expected themselves to win anything big. I will this tell you the difference. Jeff Brom is a great coach. Is he is a really good play caller. That is just like just like that was Central the difference. Michigan. That was the difference in that game, in my opinion. That Jeff yeah. Brom made. Call better plays than Robert or not. One hundred percent. I'm a big Jeff Brown fan, and you and you saw the game in which Louisville was always in a position to win. They were just making mistakes on the way to winning. It was never as if Louisville was just figuring out everything they had. I mean, I'm sorry, North Carolina State was figuring out everything they had going on. Louisville would come out and hit some big plays on first down. Like, oh, this mm -hmm. is what we do. We, we know what you got on defense. It's just their quarterback is so inconsistent. You look at it like, man, he just he's not good enough to do everything Jeff Brom wants to do. 
and that was apparent. But in terms of having plays to get big plays and move the chains and calls that were easy enough where the quarterback couldn't mess it up and they can still be successful, Jeff Brom had a good game plan, and Louisville should have won by at least 20 points. They just don't have quite the players that, that are necessary um, to make it, you know, Louisville the team that they probably should be. And a lot of it is, you know, Louisville has had great coaching in the last 10 years with Paterno, Jeff Brown getting into there. And when they've had great quarterbacks, i.e. Lamar Jackson, you see the Louisville team be relevant. So, yeah, I mean, they definitely get the right pieces and stuff, but we always knew Louisville to be a scrappy football team. They've been scrappy with us uh, the years that we've played them. But, you know, that's that's where you get enough talent and you mix it with some right coach and get a solid team. And it is very interesting. Like I said, team Notre Dame fans came away from this game saying, wow, some Duke is really, man, Duke is tough. And then some people came away from it like us left. We're like, I'm so disappointed in Notre Dame. Right. Like, there's no way this game should have even been close. Saying Duke is tough is letting us off the hook. Absolutely. It's giving us the excuse that we just ran into a hot team. No, no, no. This team could have been on fire and still shouldn't have been a problem for us. And they even focused like it like they did something to give us the, the, the game that they did is just – you know, we're distracting from the fact that we're missing a bigger point where we need to be better at. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Let's see. Uh, Sly Fox. By the way, S-H-A-U-N for everybody out there in LL Nation. S-H-A-U-N. I only say that because my mother watches the show and she gets upset. Like, why do people misspell your name? I'm like, mama, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Nah, 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 she made it that way. That's why she upset. She said, wait a minute. Don't be putting no S-E-A-N. <laughs> uh, Sean, it looks to me like Hardman has time to throw. He goes through three or four progressions, but the wide receivers have no separation. Am I wrong? Uh, hey, Slot Fox, I'm just teasing, man. Um, based upon the all 22 from the Ohio State game, yes, you're wrong. But there were he missed plenty of wide open receivers. Yeah, Sam definitely holds on to the football a little longer than he should. Yeah, we've had guys now, you know, obviously, we don't know how he's coached to read the play or what have you, but mm -hmm. it's not like guys are just lockstep with our receivers the whole way down the field. Yeah, yeah, we're playing teams that are better than TSU and Navy, so there should be some competitive, uh, you know, competitive reps. But, you know, it's college football at a high level, and we got Sam because even if they are close, we're expecting Sam to make accurate throws away from the defense. But, you know, he's been throwing the ball a lot inside to where defenders can make plays on him. The ball placement has been kind of, you know, floating in the air here and there. He's got to finish some of his throws, but you know, it's the, it's the, it's not easy. You know, even for a guy that's thrown twelve thousand yards, you can, you can just see that there's still things that 
you would want more from Sam or there's things that you feel like he can do differently. But no, I don't think that there's defenses that are 100% step for step with our receivers. I just think it's a matter of the ball placement accuracy has got to be a little bit better. His timing has got to be a little bit better. But Sam is, is playing like a veteran does. He's going to what's comfortable. If Mitchell Evans is hot, he's going to stay with Mitchell Evans because he's a matchup problem against the defense and he's more makes it more comfortable for Sam to hold on to the football knowing that he can just go to his guy. Younger guys, younger guys are probably trying to disperse the football a little bit more, yeah. stick to the plays, you know, hit guys on time and then everything like that. But Sam's like, listen, I'm gonna go with what I know, which is smart. I mean you done played fifty plus games in college football. Go with what you know. That's why we got you. And hopefully what you know can get us the wins that we're looking for. And you know, when it got when it got down to late, I can't can't lie, you know, Mitchell Evans had some good numbers and made some plays when we really needed them. And it made the difference in the game. So it's just a method of how he goes about it. But against better teams, I would like him to be more technically routine and hit the guys in his progression and, you know, make it make it that way. Cause that way, when we look at the all twenty two, we can know, okay, well at least you were going to the right spots instead of trying to force the issue. I know one of the things with the All-22 from the Ohio State game that you pointed out left because, of course, you being a quarterback, I see something and I'm like, yo, this guy is open. And you're saying you broke it down on one particular play. You were like, yo, his first progression was to the left. So as he comes back to the right, he might not throw that ball because he sees the coverage coming over. Now, he could zing it in there if he had just locked on and just made the throw. But he knew that he missed the opportunity. Maybe he missed the opportunity. And maybe yeah, that's why he didn't pull timing, the man. When you When you're getting back there, especially him being six, maybe what, five, eight or something, when you that short, Everything is timing and feel. Man, so. he is not five eight, man. <laughs> we just got. Oh if, man! If it's five. I just like to play with the numbers. If it's five, we go five four to five ten. Anything in between. But when you're when you're that short, even for myself, you're seeing probably thirty percent of the the routes downfield. 70% is about timing and feel, and that's a real thing, you know. It's a, it's a yeah, clock in yeah. head when he when he's going through his progressions and he at a clock timing may have extended because our line is better, mm-hmm. but he's trusting his feet. And if your feet are telling you to get off of something or you're late to something, it's it's one of those do or die decisions where you're like, all right, I'm getting off of it. We'll live to see another day. Uh, we don't. I don't take Sam as much of a gunslinger as you got guys in college football spaces just going to throw it hella high water. I see Sam more of a, a precision type of guy. He's, yeah. he's going to go with his footwork and timing and technique. And if it's not there, he'd rather take a sack or run around a little bit. And that's that's cool with me because it knows that I know that you're not trying to lose the game necessarily. You're trying to play smart. So you can live with that. Obviously, it's not the risky Bo Nicks. We're going to try to get seven touchdowns in the game. Right. Trying to make all the biggest throws. But, but you know, you're going to need some of that. And I think our offense requires a little bit more 
of those, I wouldn't even call risky throws. I'll say high efficiency uh, attempts that you yeah. need to be able to make because that's going to expand the point total in which we're playing too close to with other teams right now. We're not seven points better than Duke. Hell, I don't think we're two points worse than Ohio State. And a lot of that, I think, is more on the coaching uh, decisions than it is so much as the talent we have on the team. Ryan Loftus is in the chat. He makes an interesting point. And initially, I was like, okay, I can rock with that. Like, coaching... Mike Elko and the Duke staff did a great job coaching, and the talent gap eventually won the game. Let me push back a little bit. Because, you know, I've gone at Marcus Freeman the last two weeks. Marcus Freeman outcoached Mike Elko in the first half. 100%. I mean, Riley Leonard, they had Riley Leonard confused all first half. That's so what I'm saying, right? We're the specialist say the uh the fake punt call. Great. Marcus Freeman. Great call. Right. That's Marcus Freeman and that staff, they outcoached the Duke staff in the first half. You now, just we gotta put it in perspective. They, the Duke staff had to coach beyond what we already knew we were better than. We had a better staff than Duke going into the game. Duke had to coach and come up with things outside of what they standardly do on a game plan and week. Duke's not going to play the same way they did against us against the next team they play in the ACC. They're not. They've had to, Elko had to do beyond what he needed to do if he wanted to come out with a victory. And if you take a step back, we were out coaching them entirely the whole game. If you take out one of the two drives that they scored on, what coaching job would you have said they had done at the Duke staff? They would have scored seven points and been shut out most of the game anyway. That's a great that's a great defense. Like obviously the talent's a little different, but from a coaching perspective, we won the day. Yeah. We won the day. If you put yeah. up zero points most of the game and you got two drives to score, we we you were out coached. You didn't have enough on a consistent basis to threaten us as if we were gonna lose. Now, offensively, we coached well enough not to lose, but we didn't coach well enough to be dominant offensively, which I think is the difference in the comparison that we're giving Elko so much credit as if he did something that hindered our offense from being productive. I don't think that's the case. I think it's more of we didn't call the things we needed to to take advantage against a defense that was giving us things like yeah. we did against the first three weeks of the season. The first three yeah. weeks of the season, in my opinion, we game planned against what the defense gave us. Meaning if the defense lined up in this, we had three calls, one we know we can score, one we know we can run, one we know we can pass. After those first three weeks, we just looked like we were calling stuff we knew. We didn't look like we were game plan necessarily to take advantage of the fact that the safeties were small, the corners were small, or the fact that you know our running game shouldn't be stifled by a D-line that's inferior. That just shows me we wasn't game planning hard enough in the run game. Yeah, we thought we was going to roll yeah. them over because we're the bigger team. But when you're game planning against offenses, especially in the run game, you're going to design explosive plays that you get off in the yeah. run game. Not not we just go heavy set and we're going to bang against these smaller dudes and then wear them down. That's an Ohio State game plan when the talent is even. <laughs> when the talent is even, sometimes you just got to be more physical 
and the and the will to win is has to be stronger than the other team. When you're more talented yeah. Yeah. than the other team, now you game planning and you taking advantage of them either being too small, too slow. Uh, they, they this one player can't tackle on this side of the field, so we running it at. We didn't have none of that. We just looked like we was like, all right, Sam, go in there, run our our day one install base offense, and and we'll just beat them because we the better team on paper. And that's what I didn't like offensively. And when you're going against a team that is doing the opposite, like Elko was probably game planning for us, you know, looking ahead and all of that during the season. And he came out with some specific blitzes, specific areas of the field where you can tell, okay, we're going to light Notre Dame up right here because they're going to play right into our hands. And that's what they did. So, yeah, we can give Mike Elko credit for that. But overall, they scored what fourteen points, and they shouldn't have scored that. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a out. You got out coached in the Duke game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. So, look, Duke didn't make any adjustments that were effective. Once again, we pointed out in the postgame show, the three minutes and 30 seconds left in the third quarter. Duke has zero points. Yeah. They had zero points. And then they put together two drives where they made adjustments. And then Notre Dame stopped them on the most important drive of the game. So you want to think of, you want to talk about in, initially initially because of the scoreboard, it's easy to say, oh, Mike Elko and Duke out coach Notre Dame. But when you really take a look at the totality of the game, no, nah, for the most part of that game, the Duke coaches, I mean the Notre Dame coaching staff had them had him, had him, had him cooked. Won, had the day. They won the day. They they did. They won the day. And that is with I'm going to lead into something Marcus Freeman said today when you get done with what you're about to say, because this concerned me. This this absolutely concerned me. I saw somebody in the chat, I think it was D-Rock Iris, say Notre Dame should have been up 20 to nothing at half. And that's, they left, they left 13 points on the field in the first half. That had nothing to do with Duke. It had nothing to do with Duke stopping 
it was just flat out drop balls, mistakes, penalties. And Marcus Freeman said something that was puzzling to me. Especially, but, you know, you want to you want to talk about an out coach game. We out coached Clemson last year. Mm-hmm. That's an example of out coaching a team on a high level. Two teams that got talent. We out coached Clemson. That's how you get thirty-seven or whatever they had. We had it on offense. We had it on defense. We had it on special teams. That's an out coaching job. When you get into these games, Duke has had success with the Clemson game and, and the game with us where everybody is is doing bad. <laughs> everybody having miscues and and, mm-hmm. and, and wild things. That's not a, a coaching job that either, either team did better than the other. It's a matter of we have better talent, we have mistakes, but our mistakes weren't as bad as the other team. That doesn't make you out-coached you. But yeah, what were you saying about Marcus? So we're talking about mistakes, right? The mistakes, inefficiency of the offense. Pete Sampson asked Marcus Freeman today about Zeke Correll and his penalties. And he said, is that environment? What was it? I wish I had the video ready to roll, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to try and properly convey what Marcus Freeman said. So he's asked the question and Marcus Freeman started explaining that they have to be better at coaching that. And that's when my ears went up. I'm like, you got to be better. I'm like, yo, Z Carell isn't a freshman? What do you mean we have to, I don't know why Zeke Carell kept doing what he was doing. I don't know if it was the crowd. I don't know if it was the defensive defensive line shift. And we have to find out the why because if it was the defensive line shift, then we have to do a better job of practicing that during the week. And I'm like, dude, what is, what, what is this? Is this small craft football? Like, what are we talking about right now? Listen, take it easy on Marcus Freeman. He's not an Bro, offensive look, coach. He's come not on, an offensive man. guy. He don't. I'm not letting Zeke Correll <laughs> off the hook because we're not practicing defensive line shifting. Like he's never saw a defensive line shift in front of him. He's not a he's not an offensive coach, man. He's just trying to come up with what 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 sounds good, you know. He I I can't I can't put too much offensive ingenuity behind Marcus Freeman. Just because that's not that's not his area expertise. So if he says some wild stuff about fixing the offense, it's kind of like, all right, you know, one ear out the other. I get. I guess you're trying to attempt to say something good for the, the for the press, but that's a question for Jared Parker. You know, that's a question for Gadouli even. But you know, Marcus Freeman giving out offensive. <laughs> offensive adjustments or things need to work on. It's like, what do you expect a man to do? It's like asking a plumber to do electric electrician work. Yeah, you work in the house on stuff, but you don't work in that area. Now, if this was defense, and we talking about Tyson Ford jumping off sides all the time, and he's like, well, I don't know if we got to coach it better or what. Marcus Freeman will have a better answer for adjusting to Tyson Ford or somebody like that, jumping off sides or getting these basic penalties. But for offense, he probably, you know, 
he only knows so much and you know you gotta give him a break <laughs> man look once again and i'll say this we said it yesterday and i hope people understand mike Elf mike elko is a well i can't say a great coach because you know we say the word great for people to actually win championships and yeah you gotta really do it he that's just way the way we do it that's just the way you know that's how i apply just because you get 40 million in the nfl it doesn't make you an elite quarterback he's a really good coach but he's an illusionist He's making Duke look much better than they really are. He's doing a great job doing it. Because Duke can good. only be so good. Like, Duke only he's has doing, a limit as to how good they can be. He's doing he's a got really good job of it. Would you say he's got them to the, their their maximum potential yeah. of what you can ask from a program like that, a basketball school? Yes. But you cannot have it both ways. You cannot sit up here and agree that Notre Dame should have been up 20 to nothing at half and then sit up here and say, I was impressed with Duke defensively. Well, yeah, wait a minute. If Notre Dame was supposed to be up 20 at half. That means Mel Elko did a terrible job. That's not, I'm not impressed with that defense. I'm not. Because that means I'm not. That it, was, it was holes that we could have taken advantage of. And that's fine. Because the ACC as a whole is not as good as it was three years ago. It's right. not. And as the conference has gotten worse, Mike Elko has made the Duke program better, which by perception makes them look better than what they are. And that's fine, man. That's fine and dandy. But you can't have it both ways. You can't say, Notre Dame should have been up by 20, 23 points at half. But boy, that Duke defense was really good in the first half. No, they weren't. If you're basically saying Notre Dame left points on the field and should have put 23 points up, which Duke doesn't give up 20 points, but Notre Dame should have had 23 points in the first half with three receivers, three receivers, I found out that Jaden Greathouse wasn't going to play right before kickoff. So they went in shorthanded and still were able to do what they were able to do. You, you just can't have it both ways, man. You can't. You, you can't. And it's okay. It's really okay. We got away with one. We got away with one, but you can't be impressed with a defense and make the statement that no, I can't say Notre Dame should have been up 20 points and if Notre Dame didn't get penalties, didn't drop, if Rico doesn't drop the ball on the two yard line on a first down and then we get another penalty that sets us back, Notre Dame would have had another touchdown. We missed a field goal. 
And then I sit there and say, man, Notre Dame played bad. They should have had 13 more points. It should have been 23 to nothing. If Notre Dame was up 23 to nothing at halftime. It would have been on brand. It would have matched everything uh, you were telling. The Mike Elko jokes would have been flowing. People would have been on Twitter like, oh, I thought Duke was supposed to be so great. It's like I said, I watched that North Carolina State-Louisville game. I'm not worried about Louisville, man. I'm worried about Notre Dame. Period. I'm worried about Notre Dame. What Notre Dame team is going to show up? That's my concern. I I don't give two pennies about Louisville. I don't. I don't. I don't. Jeff Rom, really good coach. Really good play caller. Probably is going to have some stuff up his sleeve. It's going to be interesting. Al Golden has done such a great job, as you pointed out last night, Lev, of preparing or having his defense prepared and confusing quarterbacks to start games. You expect him to do the same thing with Plummer. Yeah, and Plummer's less athletic, not as not as good arm talent wise. It'll be, you know, Brom is forced in a tough position because he knows that he needs his quarterback if he mm-hmm. wants any chance of winning. So he's gotta call some really creative stuff. He's gotta help his quarterback out, but at the same time, you still gotta go against the Al Golden defense who on film is is obviously giving teams a lot of different fits week to week. So it's not like you can key on some of the things that they've been doing because I'm sure Riley Leonard saw a lot of film mm-hmm. of us against Ohio State and thought some of those same looks were going to be in the game, and they probably weren't. And credit to Al Golden as to making everything look different but the same and giving guys, you know, those those different uh, – those different challenges, which it goes back to why it's so hard is because, okay, you see them show a pressure in third down where it looks like it's one high and they fly out and it makes it, you know, he has a flat defender and the safety over top. The next week in the same look, it can appear as one high. Riley Leonard thinks he knows what's coming and then they blitz him. And it's the same look but a different outcome and that's the type of stuff that Al Golden does so well is because when you're used to that, NFL type of schedule and game planning, you know, everything has to look slightly the same and slightly different when you're going against these elite quarterbacks. And that's a skill as a defensive coordinator to have, especially going against quarterbacks that aren't, that are good against the routine standard defenses that are out there. It's it's interesting because, dude, at, at first, Fight. When I saw what Ryan Loftus posted, I was very agreeable with that. And then I thought about it, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, man!" Because I, you know what, I've been critical of Marcus Freeman the last two weeks. A little bit, but it's—I mean, rightfully. Yeah, so. but dude, I'm not about to sit it, dude. Chris Johns, that's the OC for Duke, right? Yeah. Chris Johns had no effective adjustments until two minutes left in the third quarter. 
That's when we was giving up stuff. And then they won a small pocket of the third and fourth quarter. Yeah. The rest of the game, I don't care what the stats say, the rest of the game was pretty much dominated by Notre Dame. So yeah, I can't say, yeah, I, I can't, if you want to say, okay, it's 50-50, fine. But there's no way these coaches staff out-coach Notre Dame. No way. If I'm looking at the entirety of the game. Because where? Where they did they have success? They, they didn't. The they quarterback didn't. run game was the most successful thing they had, and that was as a result of them having everything else fail. Mm-hmm. We probably wasn't – both teams probably wasn't expecting the quarterback run game to be a, a thing for Duke. It just happened to be like that towards the end. No, that was only that a was, justice they made. That was desperation. Yeah, I mean – That was the last thing. See, you pointed out something, Love. Riley Leonard looked at film saw things and said, okay, we can attack this. You know what Riley Leonard didn't realize? I don't have Marvin Harrison Jr. in the book. (laughs) See, so Riley Leonard is looking at the film, and he's saying, oh, X's and O's, oh, I can attack here. I can attack there. Yeah. Yeah, dude, but you don't have Marvin Harrison Jr. in the book. And that's a huge threat. That's that's a huge difference. Absolutely. There's a reason why the middle of the field it's wide open for Cade Stover all night. Because we have two people literally doubling Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. The majority of the game. Yeah, so that's you got to change your structure a little bit. Absolutely. We're not that. doing that. We're going man-to-man across the field against Duke. We're not yeah, doubling so, your so wide receiver. All type, of, all type of fake looks and stuff because we can do that when we got locked down corners. At least for your receivers. So, yeah, Riley Leonard it wasn't taking into account the fact that, yeah, we're not playing every team as if you got the number one receiver in the draft. Man, and that is, and a lot of our listeners have put it in the chat. You know, Jared Parker has to do a better job. And I'm going to left, I don't know how difficult to prepare all week and then the day the game find out that Jake Greathouse is not going and now you only have three wide receivers. So I don't know if that affects your play calling because you have to be worried about them getting tired. So I might be more aggressive if Jaden Greathouse plays and I have more numbers. But since I only have three healthy receivers now, let me lean on the run game a little bit more so that my receivers can have something in the tank. I don't know if that affects play calling. You're a play caller. You call plays on the high school level. You played the game. I don't know if that's something that we can give Jared Parker a pass on because I'm sure finding out right before kickoff, you're going to be short one of your best targets. I'm sure. Well, we, always talk about, we always talk about having an identity and Jared Parker not having an identity of Tommy's offense. We don't, I still haven't believed that we have made that transition into calling what makes Jared Parker's offense goes. I think we have a makeshift put together different piece type of structure where there's no room for creativity and growth because it's a bunch of stuff that's not your own. So missing a receiver, yeah, it'll probably impact us a little bit more because you're dependent based on the the amount of film and different plays that that player uh, mm-hmm. is really good with because you've been around. But the, the, the difference is if we didn't have them, but you're running your own offense, you don't have the loyalty to JT where you're like, okay, I call these four plays, and JT going to give us the completion. Sam's going to find it. 
because that's what we're used to, which goes back to game planning. You should have been game planning for different things during the week where JT or not, we still have the ability to take the advantage of the defense. And I just don't feel like Jared, Jared Parker was comfortable calling that game not having all the right pieces. Yeah, so I'm going to be fair. Because I'm right with you guys and what you've been saying in the chat. It's very disappointing not to have a counter for nine people in the box. Not going off tackle when the defensive line is literally crashing in the entire game. It's not that Jared Parker didn't see what was happening, but it's like, man, I see what's happening, but I don't have the tools to really go at them the way we need to go at them. Like, that's a possibility. You know what I'm saying? So it's one thing. Mitchell Evans was killing them over the middle of the field, right? That's where Jaden Greathouse makes most of his hay as well, over the middle of the field. So if he had the combination of both of those guys really going at their defense over the over the middle of the field, it really could have opened things up and changed things. It could have affected their safeties. But to buy, look, man, if Tobias makes two of the four targets, or if he catches two of the four targets, the game is totally different. That's just how fragile games are. One or two plays, man. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy how much of an impact Tobias – the same thing is that, you know, it's crazy the impact that Tobias could have made making those two plays and how – making the one play of the pass interference put us in jeopardy where Sam had to play Superman for fourth and 16. So, yeah, it, when you put yourself in position like that, when you're not trying to win by scoring points, you're trying to win by how Marcus Freeman likes to frame it as any way you can, and we'll just make adjustments on the fly. Being an aggressive team like a team like USC, that's the best offense in the country. They don't have to worry about, oh, if we didn't make those one or two plays. They're scoring throughout the game because they're running what they do best. And they're game playing against teams each and every week with talented players. Now, they got a generational quarterback, but, you know, offensively, everybody's involved. They don't have deficiencies on on guys that, you know, they're they're wanting more from. Their quarterback gets it going, and then the offense it just flows through that. So for us, the offense can flow right through Sam Hartman, but it doesn't seem like we know enough about our guys to put them in enough positions to expose that. Especially when we go down one or two guys because they get hurt, you know. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm going to say this because I see a lot of Notre Dame fans showing a displeasure with Tobias Merriweather. We as the podcast, before the season started, made it abundantly clear that Tobias Merriweather was a work in progress and the fan base needed to be patient. We didn't go into it. Nope. But we, we knew we had inside information. 
that was very applicable. We understood certain things that were going on behind the scene, and we asked this fan base to be patient with Tobias Merriweather. And everybody was like, oh, no, Tobias, expectations went through the roof. Oh, he's going to do this. He's going to do that. We were sitting here saying, hey, you need to relax. Give him time to grow. Give him time to grow. Yeah, I mean, we know that Tobias is still trying to find a fit. And it, unfortunately, he didn't have the start like a Rico Flores or a Jaden Greyhouse where he can find his fit as he's making plays early in the season. So it's, it's, it's definitely a different starting point where a lot has been uh, weighed on Tobias from being frustrated, not being able to get out there, not knowing why thinking he's doing the right things, but not seeing the results. And then you throw him into a fit where skill-wise, we still don't have, in my opinion, the, the perfect quarterback for Tobias. Left. I'm glad and, you said that because you said, what was that, about a month ago, you said if Tobias was a wide receiver when Ev, you, Ev, and Deshaun were the quarterbacks, you were right. like, oh, Tobias would flourish. Tobias would be, you know, he would be what Marvin Harrison Jr. is on on a on a exposure level because of the fact that he has the quarterbacks that fit what he does well. Whereas we have quarterbacks that are fit more towards a Rico, a Jaden Greyhouse, a Jaden Thomas, where you can catch the ball at 10, he's gonna be accurate with you 20 and below. And and he has those playmakers to you know, make the quarterback look better. Well, Tobias is 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 very talented to where he needs the quarterback to make him look good by giving him opportunities down the field where he's most dangerous at. Uh, Rico and these guys that we have now are very hybrid type of receivers to where they can do a lot underneath. Probably they're at best, be a playmaker at best, but they're not, we don't have any outside of my opinion, Tobias, any true route running receiver deep threats. Let me Any tell you guy. something. The the uh the drag route that he dropped, I went back and looked at it. Tobias, let me, I'll say something left and then I'll let your expertise take it from here. There is a disconnect, in my opinion, between quarterback and Tobias. Tobias does not play like he does not run routes or play like he thinks he's going to get the ball. That drag route he ran, he didn't think he was getting the ball. That's why his hands went up as lazy as they did. He didn't expect that ball. And to be honest, I haven't seen. I know Chris Tyree ran about two to three drag routes and was open and had his man beat and Sam didn't throw the ball. So I don't know if that's like a throw that Sam usually doesn't make the drag route, but we really haven't seen Sam hit a lot of drag routes. Well, that goes back to Sam holding the ball because he want that dig window for that tight end. That's what he <laughs> Sam like, okay, I can take the three and hit the drag, but if I wait long enough, they'll come to the drag and I can hit the dig behind. And that's where he's been finding success with his tight ends on smaller safeties 
But that's a chemistry thing. You know, I knew when I was playing that, all right, Chris Brown, if he's on a drag, let's look for him because he can turn that drag and make it something. Amir, I know if I got to look for a, a bubble and he's in the slot, just get it out there because I know he can make something of it because that's where his, his – his, it's like a point guard. Mm-hmm. When you play a point guard, certain shooters want to pass in different locations. Yeah, he's open. I left you there. Doesn't get into that shooting motion. Yeah. That is a guaranteed three. So those are the things that you got. Okay, like LeBron. LeBron knows, oh, I got to give it to Austin Reeves right in the hip area when I pass it to him because I know that's an automatic knockdown. He's open regardless, but if I throw it too high, it's going to mess up his shooting motion and he's not going to be able to get into it. And that where and that's where chemistry has to come in for a guy like Sam Hartman is that, okay, if I got these seam throws to Chris Tyree, I need yeah. to let it go early, 18 by 2 on the money. If I hold too long, he's going to outrun my arm or I won't be able to see him because he's short. Yeah. With Tobias, if he's running the drag route, if I'm not throwing the drag route all weekend practice when we're going through the play and I surprise him in the game, that's the quarterback's fault. Yeah. Yeah, Tobias is supposed to be ready and all of that and, you know, all of that. But if we're running this play throughout the week and you're not throwing a drag route, Tobias is naturally not prepared for it. Right. So so when you throw it in the game and he drop it, and everybody's like, damn, Tobias, how you drop an open pass? Well, in the week, he always throwing the dig. He ain't looking towards me during the week. So that's the type of rapport that you have to build throughout the week and challenge yourself week to week because it gets monotonous. You know, you on week six, you running some of the same plays, you hitting the same guys, you got to switch it up in practice. You got to find ways to make it more engaging because – you know, a lot of that is a concentration and focus thing, but if you're not doing it through the week, it really does translate on game day. And that is not, once again, um, someone in the chat said, what's up with Braylon James? He's not ready. Like, fans have to be patient, man. This ain't no plug and play just because a kid comes in with a four-star that he should be ready. I saw some people on the message board trying upset with Chancey Stuckey. He had three receivers, healthy. And the way things went, what's up with Chancey Stuckey? What do you mean, what's up with Chancey Stuckey? He has two freshmen that were ready to play from game one. That's a pretty good job. Coaching is like parenting, man. At some point, the accountability falls on the players. Jaden Thomas got better when Chancey Stuckey got there. He has two yeah. freshmen that are clutch. They both make plays in the fourth quarter consistently. What else yeah. do you want Chancey Stuckey to do? Chris Ty- I'm telling you, Chris Tyree is open every game. I can't wait to watch the all 22 from this game because I know he was open in this game as well. I I just don't know what else 
people want from Chancey Stuckey, man. Players have to make plays. Tobias Merriweather has to make plays. He had Al Blaze beat twice on deep balls. Twice. Make the play. That's not Chancey Stuckey. That's Tobias. Make the play. Just make the play. He makes those two plays. We're not sitting up here talking about estimate going down at the one-yard line. We're not talking about Marcus Freeman. We're sitting up here saying, man, that was a double-digit win and on the Louisville. That's right. It's, it's, it's think, as simple as that. And I think a lot of it, too, is that, you know, a lot of this is hindsight comments because of the plays not being made when they're supposed to be. And I do think that it is. Uh, that's a result of we not making the, the, the impact plays when the time is called. Mm -hmm. Because now you got to put Marcus Freeman in a position where he got to make try to make everything sound good, which I think he needs to work on. If it ain't good, just leave it at it ain't good and we got to do better. He's trying to cover up for it and make up reasons why we doing crazy stuff. But that's not going to get it done in the long run in the media. Yeah. And, um, you know. We see the same thing with uh, certain players on defense, man. It's like certain kids aren't ready. We were confident, which is why we asked for patience with Tobias Merriweather. And we said, don't judge him based upon Jaden Greathouse and Rico because you could see on Rico and Jaden's high school film just like you can see on Cam Williams' high school film, that they're dogs. They're dogs. They have confidence. The coaching staff, more than anything, has to pull their reins. Like, hey, oh, hey, hey, slow up. They have to do the same thing for Kenny Minchie. Gino has to pull his reins. Like Kenny Minchie knows he can throw that rock. Like there's no, he doesn't care. Sam Hartman's the starting quarterback. Kenny Minchie knows if we're gonna if we're gonna have a contest throwing this rock, oh, let's go. Because I can throw this rock. And Notre Dame has had to pull his coattail. Like yo, relax. It's more than just that. And and that may be an issue too because. You know, us holding us holding kids back because they're not ready, I think it's in a way of hurt. Because at the end of the day, what makes a kid not ready if he can produce? If Kenny Minchie's confident in what he's able to do, which is the problem we're having with mm -hmm. Tobias, is a confidence problem, not an ability. And I don't got the confidence in going into the game. And it's, yeah, it matters about the confidence of the coach, but also the player. And for a guy like Tobias, who had probably all the confidence in the world last year when they're talking about, oh, he's doing everything and then some. He's the best player on the field. We're just mm -hmm. working on trust, whatever that means. I mean, then you look at a Colorado who's taking the, these players coming out of high school that are very confident, very mm -hmm. talented, and throwing them out there and you're seeing success like the Dylan Edwards. You're seeing the success of the Marion Millers and the uh, 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 
It only go for uh, for Deion Sanders to mention a player that hasn't played that has a lot of talent, puts him in the game and he's making plays right away. Well, hold on. So hold on. <laughs> but Cormani McClain wasn't playing because Coach Prime publicly said he's not ready. I don't have a problem with coaches saying he's not ready. Cormani McClain's tail was on the bench because Prime said he's not ready. If you're not ready, you're not ready. Prime has said the same thing that Marcus Freeman has said. So I'm not about to come at Marcus Freeman when Prime is out there saying the same thing about Kamani McClain for the first three to four weeks, who was a five-star miss that do everything. If Coach Prime had enough to come to the podium and say, this five-star is not ready because he's not disciplined, he's not on time for meetings, and he doesn't know his assignments. He's not ready. So I'm yeah, having a problem real. with that. If, what, what, whatever the reason is for why Braylon James isn't ready, Coach Freeman said he's not, he's almost there, but he's quite not ready. That's a reality. So I don't know what fans want from coaches. They tell you the truth in a situation, and then you're mad about the truth that they tell you. He's yeah. not ready. Just what he's, it is. he's not ready. For whatever reason, Marcus Freeman is saying one of his four stars is not ready. Prime said for the first four games that the number one defensive back in the country wasn't ready. What, what else are you going to say? That's not holding him back. That's actually asking him to be accountable. How is he holding Kamani McClain back when he's being late to team meetings? Not holding him back. He needs to take this seriously. He needs to prepare better. That's why he's not ready. That was the reasoning for Kamani McClain. I don't know what the reasoning is for Braylon James, but the coaching staff knows. He has not proven that he's ready. They said the same thing about Tobias last year. He's not ready. Everybody was like, yo, you could at least run deep routes with him four or five times a game. Facts. But he wasn't ready for prime time. We don't know the reasoning. We would have to sit down and have a real conversation with the coaches. But I'm not about to sit here and say Notre Dame is holding cats back by saying they're not ready. If you're not ready, you're not ready. Man, and to go to your point, do you remember the year the Rams? I just want because somebody said, because this is going to end the season. This is how this happens. You make a great point like you did with Sam Hartman in practice and running the same plays and never making a certain throw, right? And somebody in the chat says, so now we're blaming Sam Hartman for the drop passes. That, no. No, I, no one said that. No. Left was trying to explain to you why there might be a disconnect and why a young man might not expect the ball to come his way. Either way, it falls on Tobias Merriweather. Yeah, he got to make but the play. It, it, it takes – that happens a lot more than people think. Do you remember the play with Cooper Cup 
and Matthew Stafford on the road against Tampa Bay in the playoffs when they allowed Tampa Bay and Tom Brady to come back yeah. and tie the game up, Cooper Cup ran a clear-out route. And he said, the ball is never thrown to me in practice. You remember that? He said, on this play, yeah. I never I never get the ball. Never. I never get the ball. Oh, you're talking about when he threw it, when he threw it down the middle eight. Exactly. But Cooper Cup is the ultra-professional top of the game. So he ran the route with purpose. Yeah. That's what I meant. Tobias didn't even, he wasn't even running that drag route with purpose. It's no. easy to see. He's not, he's not running with purpose. Regardless of whether or not you get the ball, it's your job to run the route that you're given with purpose. And that's maturity. And that's why, we, dude, we knew certain things with this kid, and we tried to tell the fan base, look, be patient. Be patient with him. Be patient. He's going to be a he's going to be a really good player. It's going to happen, but just be patient. But the reality is, it takes a lot of maturity because it happens around college football a lot. It takes a lot of maturity, man, to run every route, every play with purpose, especially yes, when you don't he's think not, he's not used to playing football. If we just taking a, a big step back. He's not used to playing football where in the snap, if the ball wasn't going to him, he still had to play. He's still in that mode. Well, if the ball not coming to me, it's probably going somewhere else. I don't have to give 100% effort. Just think about it. That's what he's used to. He's a five-star because whenever he touched the football and he made a play when he got the ball. But five-stars usually, when they don't, get the ball they're not making mm -hmm. the play they're not giving the effort so Tobias mm -hmm. has to learn to play a full game when and when he's not getting the ball which a lot of it comes to situations like that because when you least expect it you get in the rock and you're not running mm -hmm. when you least expect it you're not running your route fast enough and now the quarterback looking at you to throw and you're not available so these are the things that you learn you know Cam Williams got to learn it Obviously, Drayton Greathouse, I think his advantage was that he played on a team with a bunch of other really good players. So he, so played, he, at he played at Westlake. Yeah, so he and played. And I'll say it again, dude. You cannot compare Tobias Merriweather to Rico. Rico and Jaden Greathouse are dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Cam Williams is a dog. That's right. You don't have to give them confidence. They came in with confidence. That's right. Tobias Merriweather is going through a process of trying to gain confidence. He surely wasn't going to get it from Tommy Reese. No. Who threw him under the bus every moment he could. A lot. Tommy Reese didn't have to say anything about Tobias. Other than, man... You man, when when he's ready, he's gonna be a really. All Tommy Reese had to say publicly is, "Man, he's gonna be a really good player for us." That's it. That's all. He's gonna be a really good player for us. You watch and see. You watch and see. And someone in the chat said, "Did not man, I didn't see. I asked Tommy Reese to throw two to three bombs to Tobias Merriweather last year. That's all I asked. 
Yeah. Don't sit here and tell me he's supposed to get one play per game. But he's beating everybody off the line of scrimmage in practice. He gets one play. All I asked Tommy Reese was to give him more plays to build his confidence. Yeah. If Notre Dame had done a better job with him last year, he would be a more confident kid this year. Just think about how we how we progressed Rico very nicely. Gave Rico a couple plays in Ohio State. Oh, he can make plays. And then what? You see him starting against Duke. <laughs> catching all the catching all the big third downs versus Duke. So yeah, it's the same thing with Will Fuller. We threw Will Fuller out there for one play versus Michigan State. Or no, no, even before that. We threw Will one play out there with Tommy Reese versus Rutgers. Yeah. He ran a post route. And everybody in the stadium was like, who the hell is that? Yeah. They didn't complete it. They didn't catch the ball. But he ran past everybody, and everybody knew right there. And they said, oh, we got to put him in again. And shortly after that, he gets in the next year against Michigan State. Goes two plays. That's all it was. Yeah. Two plays. Runs past Trey Wayne, makes a huge catch. Has another play, and ever since then it was now he's in every time. Yeah. And Rico in every time. He makes a dude fall for Ohio State, catch the game winning uh game or the game t- or the touchdown to go up in the game. Yeah. Next week, he's out there starting. <laughs> How many third downs did he catch last week? Yeah. So it's a progression, but it comes from giving him confidence early. And we didn't quite give Tobias the confidence that we've given other guys. And it just, it's just, it's just, you know, you got to find your way. I'll say this. It's one thing that you cannot say about Tobias Merriweather. You cannot tell us that he doesn't separate from defensive backs. Because he, he's open. Like, he's been open every game. He was open when he had the penalty. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, he pushed the DB for no reason. For no reason. None. He was open. He just didn't dive for the ball. And you could tell he was worried about the catch because he pushed him and dropped it. And the ball went straight through his hands. I'm like, okay, yeah. now this is really a confidence. It's a confidence thing. matter. Absolutely. This is a confidence matter, bro, because you, you're worried about the wrong things. Yeah. Just go play. Just go play. That's it. He's, he's worrying about too much. He's thinking about too much. The one, the one issue, he, he might be left, maybe other than Chris Tyree, he might be the only wide receiver that you don't have to sit there and worry about getting separation from the defensive backs. Right. He gets, he gets separation. You have to worry about Rico every now every now and then. You have to worry about Jaden every now and then getting separation. Tobias is going to get separation. The rest of it, catching the ball, and that's that's confidence, man. That's just confidence, you know. And they're trying to build this young man's confidence. They really are. They're trying to get him to realize. I don't think he recognizes how talented he is. And you talk about that left when you guys, when it was you, CJ, and a group of guys, the underdogs, and you guys had the the mantra, change your life. Like, you guys had to find a way 
to prove, even though you weren't getting the shot yet, to say, yo, I'm good enough, and when I get the shot, I'm going to change my life. That's it. And he has to find that place where he feels like, yes, he hasn't (laughs) found it yet. He just hasn't found it. He could have changed his life on Saturday night. Tobias Merriweather. Easily. He could have changed his life. You only have three healthy receivers. He could have changed his life. He was supposed to get 100 yards that game. Absolutely. We were supposed to have that story talk about we had guys out, but Tobias stepped up when we needed it the most. We found our new number one. That could have that should have been in there. That should have been the headline. That should have been what we talked about on post game. Just when Duke thought they had us with receivers out, Tobias showed up and proved why he's the number one receiver. All the stuff we talked about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I still believe that game is going to come. Yeah. He, he has to believe. The coaching staff believes. Everybody believes. And I can't sit here, honestly. Um, Brian Driscoll, he, he beat Al Blades on the first play, first series, right? And just dropped the ball. You can say maybe he should have dove for it. Hey, he's fast. He he judged it. He thought he could get it with a fingertip catch. Then the offensive pass interference didn't have to do that. The ball went through straight through his hands. It was a perfect throw by Sam. There was another play where Sam got flushed from the pocket. But Brian Driscoll pointed it out, I believe, last night. If Sam hits his back foot, because it was man-to-man coverage at the bottom of the screen to the right, if Sam just sees the one-on-one and just hits his back foot and lets it go, because on that play that I'm talking about, Sam had to scramble outside the pocket, threw the ball, they called pass interference on Duke, and then they picked the flag up. Go look at that play. Tobias had to be beat, beat by like 45 yards, bro, off the line of scrimmage. That's the frustrating thing. He can, He's open. He can get open. He probably gets open more consistently than any wide receiver on the team. Right. He probably does. He literally probably gets open more consistently than anybody else on the team. I, if you guys remember that play, they picked the flag up, and, and they picked it up because the ball, because Sam was on the run, he, the ball really wasn't close. But Tobias had to be beat by like five yards, man. He had him beat bad. And if Sam just lets the ball go off the line of scrimmage, it might be a touchdown. But now Sam might be thinking about that drop in the first series. Yeah, when he looks out there and sees one on one. Yep, he just it, you know when the, when the game get tighter, you can't even take the chances of thinking that maybe maybe not he's going to be able to come through, and that's why you know starting off early and getting him involved early is crucial for later in the game. Yeah. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.